We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. It is Thursday morning, the 7th of December, and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall out here in the Pacific Northwest, and we got Scott Kennedy on the other side there, out there in Atlanta. What's good, Scott? What's new? How you doing? I saw the Braves might be moving in on Otani. What's his? Hey, he's yeah, going we'll everywhere, see. right? That's, that's that has Dodgers written all over it to me. But uh, did you see the Dave Roberts thing where he like mentioned about Otani being there, and then he saw his tech a phone text, and he's like, "Uh oh," and he had to huddle with the media, like our his own no, Dodgers team. No, I that. haven't seen that. I I, uh, I tend to again. Growing up a Cleveland-born Atlanta sports fan, my teams never get anyone. They always lose in the most painful ways, so I don't even pay attention to that stuff. But it does <laughs> feel a little bit like the power of the 90s Braves where they have some pull. Like they mm-hmm. could pull this off if they you know they I, I believe that they're actually in it. It's not just, you know, kind of a joke. You know, hey, Maddox, Greg Maddox is a free agent. Yeah, he's going to the Braves. What? You know, that was and they actually came in second for a rod they had alex rodriguez and they said you know the, and their their agent his agent kind of said it wasn't really a competitive offer and uh <laughs> i think it was john sherhold said it was real competitive until the texas rangers came in and lost their minds and they had to yeah. unload that contract within three years so all kinds of good stuff going on it is a football thursday i love it yeah. looking forward to some patriots and uh, and steelers tonight which will have an effect on the playoff seating and all that type of stuff that we're looking at with the denver broncos yeah, a lot of fun. Mitch Trubisky, maybe Mac Jones. Who knows? I mean, the Patriots are just god awful, but their defense is crazy uh, good. Actually, they have a lot of fun on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, will be fun, and all the college bowl games coming up. I mean, we're we're right on the precipice of draft season, Scott. So, we will start to get into that more and more. Maybe even today, uh, I have two articles: one out right now, and one coming out soon that uh, talks a lot about cornerback options for the Broncos, which seems to be the position most people are mocking to the Broncos right now. Makes a lot uh, of sense. It does make sense. Mm-hmm. And we can get into some of the names and why it makes sense. But uh, we want to say hello to some folks in here first. We got David Youngkin coming in here saying, morning, uh, Mark Schlereth is all the right in the, has all the right in the world to say that because Russ, even on the five-game win streak, Sean has to work harder to make it work with Russ. Offense can't open up with Russ under center. I, I agree. I mean, obviously, there's tr- to a certain extent that they can open things up, but... With the Broncos during that win streak, the game flowed 
really great for them. They had the best average starting field position in the NFL over that win streak. They definitely led the league in turnover differential, and they had leads early in every single game. The only one where I think he fell behind for uh, he fell behind very end in the Bills. You fell behind late against the Packers, but for a majority of those games, I think you were in the lead, which meant that you weren't playing catch up. You weren't having to put your offensive line and quarterback in obvious dropback situations. And when you can do that with this Russell Wilson, Sean Payton marriage of football, uh, it's a lot easier to protect yourself. Yeah. And the problem I have with the criticism of Russell Wilson is like, what are your options? You know, it's like, what, what do you, what do you think you're going to do? Put in Jarrett Stidham or Ben Danucci? No. No. You know, right now, Russell Wilson is your best option. Moving forward, we can, we can talk. We've talked about it. We've hit on it a little bit. You know, your options moving forward. You talked about, uh, I think it was right before we went on cornerback, or if we just started, it all starts to roll together here (laughs) with draft. Talking about cornerback making a lot of sense. Well, quarterback should be on the table as well. Drafting a quarterback and having options and having a cost controlled. And if you have to move on from Russell Wilson, it's going to happen regardless, just because of the time your, your starting quarterback is in his mid thirties. Mm-hmm. So quarterback is on the table as well, but right now your options aren't very good. The free agent options aren't very good going into next year. Do you want to dump a couple first round draft picks again to, to try and get a Kyler Murray or a Justin Fields? Probably wouldn't be a couple first round draft picks, but those are the, those are your options right now. You know, we mm-hmm. can complain about Russell Wilson all you want, but what are you going to do about it? It's a tough situation. Uh, it's no hard. I mean, it's yeah. hard to get a quarterback. <laughs> yes, it is. I guess a lot of people that are the move on from Russell Wilson think that right now what you're getting from Wilson and asking of him, you could probably do with a Teddy Bridgewater-esque quarterback, given what we've seen from Sean Payton historically, elevating even specifically Teddy Bridgewater, but Jameis Winston as well. Uh, right now, I am of the mindset, Scott, and I know I'm definitely critical of uh, Russell Wilson, uh, and the Broncos offense and everybody on the Broncos. I'm a critic. Uh, but, uh, the, if you ask me right now, I'd probably keep Russell Wilson, uh, this off season and it'd be a two year, uh, extension essentially in that thing. You're committing to him for two seasons and I am hunting for the quarterback, both this off season and next season behind him to work and groom him and to eventually replace him. Ideally. Uh, I think that happens. You draft a guy, not in the 2024 draft, but the 2025 draft, and then you go into that season, Russell Wilson's last season before it, like, you know, it, or it'll become possible again to move on from him after 2025. You can maybe halfway through the season, move on to that highly drafted guy or uh, after that year. So we'll see. Um, we got five games left to see how Russell Wilson plays. Uh, I think he's been, you know, 10th to the best, the 10th best to the 18th best quarterback in the NFL this season. Is that worth it for a $50 million a year quarterback compared to what the dead cap you take? I mean, I don't envy them uh, because I don't think there's an obvious direction to go. Uh, and it's going to, it's going to hurt no matter which way. Uh, Cause you're going to lose talent. Uh, if you keep Wilson with the massive cap hits, or you're going to lose talent if, and go into the unknown, if you move on from him. So we'll see. Luckily, luckily I do trust that whatever quarterback and whatever direction they go, the offensive scheme and coaching personnel is going to get the most out of what they have. And getting the most out of what we have, Mark Schrader, $10. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Good morning to you, Mark. Hope you're doing well. Hope things are going well down there in Texas. Uh, not as cold as where I'm at, although we just did have a Pineapple Express, so it was nice and warm here, but it's wet. Uh, so appreciate you, Mark. Uh, if you have any questions, too, make sure you hit us up. 
Yeah, you know what else I trust? I trust Little Caesars Pizza to, to fill me up when I'm hungry. The official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Make it part of your game day. Uh, again, I, I'm a vegetarian, so pizza is part of my weekly diet because I still eat a lot. Uh, and pizza is a good way to go. And I can order online during the Pizza Pizza pregame at Little Caesars one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, we all win. Yeah, absolutely. And the Broncos have been uh, stuffing us with good football, and Little Caesars has great stuffed pizza, crazy bread, of course. They got the stuffed crazy crust and even the stuffed crazy bread with crazy sauce. That is Absolutely delicious. You know, the Parmesan on the outside, the garlic, and the cheese in the middle. I mean, I'm I'm a big cheese fan, Scott. I know you're a vegetarian, but uh, I think we can probably both agree cheese is elite S-tier uh, across vegan. the board. Yeah, I'm not vegan. Yeah. We'll go, we're no. going pizza. Yeah, cheese, so good. So uh, make sure you're checking out uh, Little Caesars Stuffed uh, Crazy Bread and Crazy Crust. And speaking of winning, like we all are with Little Caesars, everyone scores with a convenient delivery in our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices for the upcoming games this week. Mark Schrader, thank you very much for the support for the show. Mr. Rocket, I see you. I want to uh, get into Mark Schrader a little bit with your super. Uh, first off, just I don't want to make the assumption that everybody knows what we're talking about with the Mark Schlereth discussion. So, mm -hmm. Nick, you, you've got an article on it on Mile High Huddle. Why don't you give us an idea of what Mark Schlereth said about Russell Wilson and this offense? Well, I have it pulled up uh, so we could listen to it as well if we wanted to. Uh, but uh, the Mark Schlereth, longtime Broncos offensive lineman, uh, been in the Broncos radio sphere for a number of years now. And he's always been a fire and brimstone kind of guy. And, you know, and I appreciate that. You know, he's passionate and, uh, you know, things are. Things are terrible and on fire where sometimes I don't agree with that approach from Schlereth, but uh, he came in and discussed about how limiting Russell Wilson has been on the offense and even said that a high school level quarterback, I think he said Smoky Hill high school. Uh, yeah, he could I could bring in a quarterback from whatever high school to do what Russell Wilson is doing. And obviously that's an exaggeration, obviously. Yes. yes hyperbolic beyond hyperbolic yeah but uh the main point the meat of the conversation is something that we've talked about on here and i don't think the seattle a lot of intelligent seattle fans have been talking about it when russell wilson was in seattle uh but i don't think we get enough average fan understanding or credit uh, for this and it's the impact of russell wilson's play on the offensive line uh russell wilson is obviously a mobile quarterback uh, he looks to extend plays when he can and buys time by doing so uh, but I feel like there's a big perception that the Broncos offensive line is putrid and that Russell Wilson doesn't have a chance. You know, he's getting hit as soon as he drops back and make no mistake. The offensive line is not perfect. They have warts, especially at the right tackle and drop back pass situations. McGlinchey has struggled there, uh, but I go ahead. Nick, I said that a lot last year. Yes. You haven't heard me say it once this year. Not one time. No. Not, last year I said, I don't know how to judge Russell Wilson because he's got a defensive tackle in his lap. The, the minute he snaps the ball. I haven't said that this year. Ben Powers has been an upgrade on Dalton Reisner, and Lloyd Cushenberry has been an upgrade on Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry. He's playing much better this year. As is Quinn Miners in pass protection. Last year, Quinn Miners had a few, I'm bending at my hip, leaning, and the guy gets around me moments in pass protection. Great in run blocking, but the pass pro was erratic, and uh, it has improved tremendously uh, over the over the offseason and this season. So I, I'm kind of bummed that he's not in the top 10 of Pro Bowl boarding, bowl, uh, voting, but... We'll see what happens with the uh, the fan stuff. Let's go to some more folks in here before we talk a little bit about 
a little bit more about Mark Schlereth and what he said. Uh, we got Aaron Wagner coming in saying, morning, gents. It seems like most people in the football world are not impressed with Rust. With that in mind, why would the Broncos not take a quarterback in the first round to at least sit behind Russ for a season? Kind of talked about that earlier. Uh, the big reason why you wouldn't is because there's not a quarterback that you like in the range that you're picking. There you uh, go, right Aaron. Now, there, yep. there, there's the main reason. Do yeah, not it, reach for a first-round quarterback if you don't have a first-round quarterback. Think of two years ago. Kenny Pickett went in the first round at the end of the first round, about where you're hoping the Broncos are going to be picking. Do you want Do you want Kenny Pickett as your first-round quarterback? I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I could be wrong on that, but I don't. I think the next quarterback taken was Desmond Ritter. He was in the third round. Now, that's not a bad third-round pick. That's not bad for third round. Uh, then you had um, Malik Willis. They drafted another quarterback the year after him, trying mm -hmm. to replace him. So don't reach. You know, why wouldn't you take one? Because there might not be one there that's worth the first round pick. That That's the main reason. Otherwise, it's absolutely on the table. I agree with you. Yeah. The, I always, I think it's pretty simple. When you are talking about uh, quarterbacks and adding quarterbacks, you look at your roster and say, do we have a five to 10 year option at quarterback that we like on the roster? If yes, well, you still consider quarterback because it's that valuable, uh, but you're not, you know, really hunting, hunting for that starting caliber guy. If you don't have a guy that you are convinced is a five, 10 year option on your roster, you better damn well be looking. Uh, and that's where the Broncos are. Even if you are a full believer in Russell Wilson, he's 35 years old. That is the second oldest starting quarterback entering the season behind Matt Stafford. Not the case anymore with all the injuries and uh, Joe Flacco now playing. Uh, but those guys shouldn't be playing with, uh, with the injury stuff. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough situation for the Broncos. Again, this is not me saying Russell Wilson is God awful, horrible. You can't win with him. We've seen there are avenues to win with him. Uh, on this team, but considering what you're paying for him and the limitations that uh, you have with this Russell Wilson-esque style offense is, is interesting. Joey LaGuardia saying, where was Purdy picked? He was Mr. Irrelevant, and that is definitely an anomaly. Um, pretty amazing. I mean, we saw for years and years, uh, the it's a big reason why a lot of people aren't giving Purdy a too much credit for what's going on because we saw years and years of Jimmy Garoppolo's statistical output being fantastic. And then he moves from that Kyle Shanahan system, the Kyle Shanahan himself uh, guy on that team. And he looks exceedingly underwhelming. So is it Purdy? Is it the system? Obviously it's a little bit of both. You can't do one without the other. Uh, but yeah, Purdy was the last pick in the draft. That's like winning a billion dollars on a scratcher ticket though. Yeah. It, it, I've said it before. With a small enough sample size, I'll prove any point you want, mm -hmm. which is why would you take a quarterback, you know, in the first round when Tom Brady was a six round draft choice? Um, Brock Purdy was dead last. I should just wait till the last pick to pick my quarterback. It's it's tough. It's it's about probability, and your probability is the higher you take a guy, the more probable he's going to be good. But it is probability, is not a certainty. Mm -hmm. Uh, you look at that draft class. I just mentioned that, you know where they were picked. And if I go to that draft class and sort by passing yards, number one, Brock Purdy, number two, Kenny Pickett, number three, Sam Howell, mm -hmm. uh, number four, Desmond Ritter, number five, Bailey Zappi. Those are the only guys that have over a thousand yards. Those picks in those order were seven, one, five, three, four. That's a little bit of an anomaly when it comes to draft classes. Uh, if I go back just one year to 2021 and do the same thing and sort by passing yards, I've got Trevor Lawrence, 1-1. One, one. I've got Mac Jones, that's one uh, one fifteen. I got Zach Wilson is actually ahead of Davis Mills and Justin Fields. 
Um, and then the, the top guys on that were first round, first round, first round, third round, first round, first round. That's usually closer to what it looks like. Um, so again, I, I think it was in here. Uh, it may have been Robot of Doom on Twitch said, I'll give you one good reason that you wouldn't absolutely take a first round quarterback, Paxton Lynch. Again, don't reach. That that's it's not the it's not the guys that you miss, it's the guys that you take that can't play that end up hurting you. Um, and that's the big one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Monica has a question. Good to see you, Monica. She says, Scott and Nick, uh, what do you think about Sean's average or simple play calling? I think to a certain extent, it's getting overblown. And that was a big point of that, what I had to say on Monday, Nick, about the team taking its shots. I felt like they did take their shots and opened it up and went over the top several times. Cortland Sutton, especially, was the second play of the game. Cortland Sutton dropped that ball, which he usually won't. And there should have been a pass interference on Marvin Mims. Those are taking the shots that open up everything, that open up the way you play the game that should have been successful and weren't. So I think the offense is opening up, and I think there is going to be more. And this is going to be the first time in a while that you haven't played a really good defense, at least in some aspect of the game. So expect to see some points. I expect to see some more offensive fireworks uh, in LA this weekend. And I mean, even still, we're talking about Russell Wilson and I think a lot of people are like, why didn't you run the ball more? You ran the ball more than you passed against the Texans, despite the Texans having a putrid pass defense this season. Yeah, even if you sort back based on when Stingley uh, had come back, they were like 20th and 21st in EPA and success rate rather than 24th and 25th versus the Texans run defense, which was top five uh, entering this game against the Broncos. So we do see Sean Payton, at least I believe, uh, game plan to his opponent to some extent, because we also saw the Broncos. What was another game where they went away from that run heavy formula? It was the Vikings. Why? Because the Vikings want you to play those condensed formations because it's much easier to hide who's blitzing uh, when yeah, you are playing. They're condensed stacking formation. nine guys on the line of scrimmage in the box. Yes. And if you're playing tight, you don't know who's coming and going. Uh, and that's one reason you saw the Broncos play a lot more shotgun, a lot more 11 personnel, a lot more empty, uh, just to make the Vikings declare themselves pre-snap who's coming and going. So Peyton's, I think, still game planning uh, to what the opponent is rather than just saying, this is what we do. This is who we are. And sometimes that shows limitations in your quarterback because there is a, a fine line that right now we are walking with Wilson, which is leading to offensive success. Uh, so 
it's interesting. I'll pull up that Mark Schlereth here in a bit. I don't want to mince words uh, and give him credit or misquote him because I don't want him coming for me. <laughs> Andre, that, Andre, that one guy, $5 says, Russ needs to relax and hit the open receiver, not just to target the guy he trusts the most. Offensive line has to step up this game, give him time to get through his reads. Andre, thank you so much for the $5 super. It is, it's the dichotomy of Russell Wilson, right? So I made it. So I wrote an article talking about the Mark Slurith stuff. And I said a statement in there that I think is maybe a little bit spicy, but I was going through it just based on a lot of the data uh, in it. I think there's an argument to be made that out of every single non rookie contract quarterback in the NFL. So somebody who's been in the league four plus seasons, who's gotten that second deal, Russell Wilson might be the most offensive line dependent quarterback in the entire league and the job that he puts on the offensive line might be harder than any non-rookie quarterback contract in the league. Why is that? Well, he has the fourth longest time to throw in the NFL. He has tied for the longest time to pressure in the NFL. And because of Russell Wilson's struggle in the quick game, the Broncos have to be that much better in the run game to overcome the lacking in the quick game. So not only do they have to be good in pass protection, they have to be great in run blocking too. Otherwise you're going to be in third and long, constantly because you're not getting the quick game stuff uh so i think it really puts a tough onus on the offensive line and i think that's a lot of what mark schrader was or mark schlereth excuse me mark schrader uh was getting into in his interview i mean as a former offensive lineman he was going off about russell wilson bailing the pocket not helping his offensive line you know he scrambles for two yards everyone's like oh my gosh look at him no he should have stayed in there and made the throw because that's what an nfl quarterback does uh so i get it from an offensive lineman perspective why he is frustrated because I watch it. I'm Scott, you know, we're both offensive defensive line guys and I see Russell Wilson bailing in clean pockets or running into pressure, uh, trying to go out the back end, which when he was 24, 26 and a great athlete, not brought by Manscaped, um, he could do that uh, sometimes. Not so much now. And it, it just makes it hard for the offensive line. Uh, Andre, I, I like the point here. He says they have to uh, to step up and give him time to go through his reads. The problem that Nick is saying, and I like to listen to Nick go on eloquently for like five minutes and then put it into this much space right here, which is the problem is, is Russell Wilson doesn't go through his reads. That's what Nick is saying so much. When you watch Russell Wilson, it's drop back, maybe one, two, bail. But it's not the other side of the field, Scott. It's yeah, high, it's, low on the same side of the field. Either way, it's not... Yeah. I'm going across or I'm stepping up in the pocket and going back across and going through these. That's, that's the big criticism. And I, I agree with this. He doesn't go through his reads. He doesn't stay. And you know, the phrase is always stand tall in the pocket. Well, he doesn't stand tall in the pocket. Literally he's a shorter quarterback, but at the first sign of pressure, he wants out of there. He's just not comfortable in the pocket. What Mark, Mark Schlereth is saying is that, drives me bananas because I get blamed when he rushes out, not by people like me. You know, if, if, if you, if Russell Wilson gets chased down, that's not on the offensive lineman. They did their job. And it was such a stark contrast for me watching CJ Stroud as we were Mm -hmm. scouting and getting ready for this game and then watching him in the game, how he will step up into the pocket. He'll have his offensive lineman almost touching him while he's still scanning down the field. Russell Wilson doesn't do that, whether he's not physically capable of doing it. He's not comfortable doing it either way. That's just not what he's doing. And he str- he puts a lot of stress on his offensive line. And an offensive lineman sh- would and sh- will be critical about something like that, which I understand. Coming back to Aaron and something we were talked about earlier about, you know, why wouldn't you take a, a first round pick? And uh, he says, you know, 
to push back, Lamar Jackson was pulled at the end of the first round. This coming draft is loaded one at quarterback. Typical philosophy of not reaching a quarterback might be null. Knicks or uh, or J.J. McCarthy could be 16 to 20. Yeah, we said, why wouldn't you? Because if you didn't, we didn't say there wasn't. We didn't mm-hmm. say there wasn't going to be somebody there. We said that's why you might not. If there's not a guy you like there, then you don't reach. If there is, quarterback is absolutely on the table in the first round of this draft. You just don't go in saying, I have to have a quarterback in the first round. Because what happens if those guys are pulled in the first 20 picks and you're picking at 21? Don't reach for the guy you don't want. That's all we're saying on that. Yeah, and uh, we'll see about JJ. Just to get into details about some of these guys, uh, we'll see about JJ McCarthy. Seems like right now it's a 50-50 proposition on if the whether or not he will come out. Uh, he has a chance to be the first overall pick next season, where this year, you know, that's not happening. Uh, also, with the whole Jim Harbaugh stuff with Michigan, it's just it's really hard to get a read on McCarthy. Honestly, I said this on headline. Some sometimes the Russell Wilson fans find me on Twitter, but I said online like what the Michigan offense is asking of JJ McCarthy is similar to what the Broncos are asking of Russell Wilson, where it's like, here, take the offense, run the boots, heavy play action. We're a run first team and make, you know, three or four high end throws a game. And that's kind of been when the Broncos have been able to lean on teams with the run game and get a lead. That's what they've done. So could see that in theory, working out uh, one-to-one with JJ McCarthy, but uh, his his sample size in terms of throw and dealing with adversity and pass rush is, not high. So he's a tough evaluation. That's what happens with some of these quarterbacks playing on these uh, super teams, right? They not, haven't had to deal with adversity uh, that you see from a guy like, let's say, playing quarterback at Kentucky or something, right? If you're Alabama, like Bryce Young, you know, it's, oh my gosh, guys all around. So it's, sometimes it's hard. Uh, that's that's why quarterback is one of the the toughest positions. It is the toughest position to evaluate. There's just so many variables and dependence, dependencies that you, it's impossible to isolate. In college, I always said I'd rather have the coach than the quarterback. Uh, it's not quite that way in the NFL because the talent level is is more it's more similar. There's more parity in the NFL than college. But you know, I've watched really good quarterbacks go to really bad offenses with offensive coordinators and stink. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen guys that you're like, who's this guy? And then they just put up numbers, and they that's where the system is more important. The combination you want the combination of both in the NFL. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't think it's. I don't think it's nearly as one or the other in college. In college, give me the coordinator, give me the give me the the system, yep. and I'll take the that recruiter. over. It's the recruiter. <laughs> I'll take, yeah. but I'll take that over the rocket arm guy. I'll take yes. the offensive coordinator over yeah. the guy that recruits. Uh, and I learned that very very early on. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't get into names and stuff because y'all, I'm too old for you guys to remember that. But um, Troy comes in. He has a question. Appreciate the super chat, Troy. Troy. Uh, he says, hey, guys, how can an effective run game slow down uh, the outside linebackers, edge rushers, and the pass rush? Go ahead, Nick. Ah, uh, man, this we could go on for 30 minutes about this. Uh, first thing that comes to mind for me is if you have an effective run game, you're not going to be in third and long a lot. And the difference between converting on a third and two to a third and seven plus is massive uh, because there are so many more routes you can run and the run game is still at your disposal as well. So not only does the coverage on the back end uh, have to play differently and the run fits, but also the pass rushers do. They cannot just pin their ears back and be undisciplined in their lanes to the quarterback. They have to make sure that they aren't rushing way too wide because then the quarterback can just step up and easily get it. Uh, So that's one aspect of it. Uh, The other one is whether it be just even drop back pass game or play action, you have to be a little bit more conscious of the run game when the team is running effectively against you rather than let's say you're not running the ball well at all and you can just pin your ears back and get after the quarterback and it's much easier it's you want to make sure that you're not showing your hand and uh, have the 
threat of rushing the football. There's also a physical and mental aspect to rushing the football that you are taking body blows against some of these pass rushers as well over time. So uh, all three of those come to mind for me as why an effective run game uh, can help slow down an opposing team's pass rush. Yeah, if you don't know, if you've got the run pass threat, like on first and 10, um, and I know I can, if I know that my interior defensive line and my my linebackers behind me can handle the run, I'm pinning my ears back and I'm just going for the backfield. I'm going for the big play. I'm going for the tackle for loss. If they're able to, and that usually means I'm shooting outside the tackle. I'm going for the speed rush. I'm going outside the tackle. If I have an effective run game and I can run off tackle, then I, I've just taken myself completely out of the play. The outside linebacker's first job is to seal that edge, is to make sure nobody gets outside of him. Well, if you're taking yourself out of the play, I've got that whole side open now. Mm-hmm. And you either have to commit more guys into filling that gap, which opens up the backside to the pass and makes you more vulnerable, or I'm going to get beat. So, uh, you know, that's where, you know, having an effective running game on first down, it sets up everything. <laughs> it just, it sets up, if if I can run the ball, I want to run the ball. It's the simplest, easiest thing in the world to do. It's just run it, run it, run it, run it, run it. What happens is it's really hard to do that consistently. And you get mm-hmm. one penalty or one tackle for loss, then you can't do that anymore. If I can get yeah. five yards on first down, I'll take it every freaking time. I'll take second and five every time. But if yeah. I get a holding penalty or a tackle for loss, second and long starts getting really bad. But an effective running game sets up everything. It sets up everything, uh, including Russell Wilson. There is a, a video that will go live uh, about noon today, Eastern time, so 10 o'clock Mountain, where uh, Sean Payton's talking about Russell Wilson being effective in play action. He's like, that's what we're going for here. We want to establish a run and then play off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And Colin Wood, always fun with the, uh, all this says wins and losses, only thing you care about. Yeah, wins and losses are the end product, but I'm looking for predictive data and indicative data to add to how you got to the wins. It's not the uh, who, what, when, where. It's I like the why and how. And uh, there's a lot of interesting data for that, Colin. Uh, <laughs> Brian Dunn coming in. Good morning, Nick and Scott at Broncos Country. Always good to see you. Hope you're doing. Jan says W's and L's, that's what counts. At the end of the day, it is, but uh, you want to make sure that what you're doing is sustainable as well. Uh, we got uh, Lawrence Rivera coming in saying, good morning, Broncos family, love and life. Just getting it at this point. Got to thank God for the orange and blue sunrise. God bless you, Lawrence. I don't know what's going on, but it sounds like you're having a great day. And uh, we appreciate you coming in and saying hello as always. Yeah, thanks for making us a part of your morning. Thanks for being a part of our morning, Lawrence. Keith coming in. I think he. this feels like a newer guy with stars. So thank you for the support, Keith. Any news on Von Miller? You think the Bills will cut him? Good morning, Broncos country. Shout out from Hutchison, Kansas. Hutchison Junior College. I don't know if they're still putting out as many players as they they used to, but I spent an afternoon watching them play football in Kansas one time. Used to be some some good players down there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a a nice place of the country, Keith. Um, It's been awfully quiet. I think everybody's just kind of wait and see mode. It's the the Von Miller thing has just been kind of, We've been through this before with these two. Let's let's wait and see how this plays out. This isn't the first time this has happened with the two people involved, with Von Miller and and his uh, his girlfriend, friend, partner, baby mama, whatever whatever she is. But there's a history there, so it's everybody's kind of playing wait and see on this. I thought I heard yesterday that he's not going to be on the commissioner's exemption list, and he might even be playing coming up soon. So that to me says that he's not going to be. Yeah, I wasn't jumping to conclusions on this on this one 
any no. stretch of the imagination. Due process. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Don't condone, obviously, uh, domestic violence. But well, of course, yeah. I mean, not 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 you are. I'm just saying in yeah. general. Yeah, of course. But I also uh, but... don't just automatically assume guilt either. Yeah, I mean, it's a messy situation. We don't know the details. Due process. Uh, hopefully, the police get to the bottom of it. And if he is guilty, fully persecute him to the extent of the law, because mm-hmm. absolutely not. Uh, Gary Palmer, 1999. Good morning, and Nick and and Ick and Scott. Yeah, see the Good morning, Ick. <laughs> Ick. That's that. Uh, that's what most people say when we uh, start the show. Oh, it's <laughs> Nick again. I uh, appreciate you, Gary. Hope you're doing well. We got Robot of Doom. Morning, gents. I, we're gonna have a bounce back game out east. Apparently, per NFL Network, the Chargers play out east. <laughs> Go Broncos! Win 23 to 10. Yeah, this is a the Broncos have never won at SoFi Stadium, Scott, not Sophie. Sorry, Sophie. Uh, about, this is about Tuesday night. Um, and they're 0 3 there. You'd expect them to have a chance. This is probably as down as the Chargers have been in a bit. I think that Brandon Staley is a dead man walking. I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet already. And the Broncos, I think, match up pretty well with the Chargers. The one thing that scares me is that Justin Herbert's still a top six, seven quarterback in the NFL. And you can get some explosive pl- uh, pass plays from them. I do think the Broncos are able, will be able to match up and hopefully slow down Keenan Allen because after that, the weaponry for the Chargers is not great. They cannot run the ball worth anything. Uh, but Broncos really need to work on the communication on the back end. And if they don't give up the explosives like they did against the Texans, they should win this one. I agree. And it, it's you look at ESPN GameCast, and it's almost a 70% chance for the for the uh for the LA Chargers. The, they're a three-point favorite at home. Mm-hmm. Why? They're two and four at home. They're not playing very well. They just got six points up in you know New England. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, they're putting up a ton of points and the Broncos are struggling on offense. I mean, the overrunner on this is 43. They're expecting it to be another fairly low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. I think there might be a little more scoring in this game than 6-0 I um again when when all these teams move around I still call them San Diego all the time I still call Oakland Oakland mm-hmm. um so I don't think I've ever called the Chargers out east though I, I did figure that one out yeah they uh we'll see what happens in this game it'll be a lot of fun I see Michael Ronquillo coming in too talking about fun now the fun's starting he says the Broncos had problems with developing a quarterback Broncos have never had a franchise quarterback in the NFL draft uh, they've never drafted a franchise quarterback is what Michael is saying. I will push back a little bit on this perception. I think that <laughs> Jay Cutler was a franchise quarterback. He wasn't a great one, but he was at that, you know, for his top years, he was pushing that top 10, top eight kind of thing. I don't think he was the hardest worker ever um, from what I heard, but definitely talented. And uh, they did draft and he played quarterback, starting quarterback for a decade. I, I think that's pretty close franchise uh but it depends on what your definition of franchise quarterback was he elite no uh but he was somebody who got a big contract and uh, got to the playoffs multiple times did you develop him uh you had him for three years did you develop him no (laughs) he was who he was when he showed up and he was the same guy when he left i think Um, shanahan developed him a little bit i think that's how most of the guys are though um looking at you know, and the thing is, is that the Denver Broncos haven't necessarily had to develop many quarterbacks. Um, Jay Cutler was the highest drafted guy in 2006. First round, he was 11th overall. Um, threw for 35,000 yards, almost a one-to-one touchdown. Just lots of talent, but five-cent head. 
when it comes to uh, reading. I, I always said he was the dumbest smart guy I ever scouted. You know, you don't get into Vanderbilt by being dumb, but he played reckless. Mm-hmm. Tommy Maddox, 1992, uh-huh. was the next highest drafted quarterback. After that, I lost a steak dinner on this one because I said Tim Tebow would never go in the first round, and he did in 2010 at 25. 1962, <laughs> 26 overall was the fourth pick, or is that the fourth pick? 26 anyway. Paxton Lynch, I think that must have been messed up, was 26 overall. Drew Locke, 42. After that, you know, there's there's not a lot of high picks in there, and it just goes back to sh- the saying that it's hard to get a quarterback, period. It's really hard to get a quarterback if you're not drafting one high. Mm-hmm. And the Broncos haven't been in a situation through most of their history where they're picking in the top five, where most of these franchise guys go or come from. Yeah. I mean, who are your two best quarterbacks, real quick, in the history? Peyton Manning and John Elway. One and one. <laughs> you know, how many times have you picked one overall? Yeah, never. Never in history. There you um, go. It's it's uh, hard. Yep. And even in the top five, you're talking about a 50-50 coin flip, which I think some people have a, a hard time stomaching. But beyond that, then it goes down to the you know, back of the first round. You get down to like, 20 to 80 percent then after that it's like five percent i mean your your hit your hit rate from the top to the bottom even though in the top is far from a guarantee and probably further from a guarantee at the quarterback than almost any other position at some point you got to play the game right like at some point you got to deal in and sit at the table on a quarterback but unless you continue to trade for a top guy (laughs) and i I like what you said before you know keep keep drafting one draft one every year Mm mm-hmm you know, if if I've while I'm drafting Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos, I'm not I'm sorry, I screwed that up. While I've got Russell Wilson, let's say I'm committed to him for the next two years, I'm drafting a quarterback this year. If I love him in practice, I think he's gonna do something. Okay, great. I've got my successor. If not, guess what? I'm gonna draft another one. Doesn't have to be a first round. If you don't like one in the first round, don't take him in the first round. But you can get lucky if you roll the dice enough times. And what are you really missing out on if I draft a guy in the fifth round? You know, Uazarike? You know, yeah. the, the chances of hitting on those guys. Did Larry Turner yell? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the chances of hitting on any player that late is pretty low. Mm-hmm. But if I'm able to get a quarterback there and I waste 10 fifth-round draft picks to get one right, worth it. Totally worth it. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Scott, but I had a lot of angry Probably not. <laughs> okay, I had a lot of angry people coming at me when I suggested that if Sean Payton was interested – and if it costs no more than a day three pick swap, so like you send a six and you get back a player plus a seventh, which is nothing in terms of cost, absolutely nothing, then I would be interested in Mac Jones. What's low stakes for that, right? And I had people saying that like I insulted Tom Hanks acting out there. You know, I said that the the stars and stripes weren't beautiful. You know, stuff. I was like, oh my God, the reaction to this is crazy because you're paying what do you, what do you have nothing for yeah. him. What do, what do you have to lose? If, yeah. if he comes in and he's a jerk, like... uh who was the quarterback you had? I said was the most likely to get his ass kicked in college. Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly. He comes in, he acts like Chad Kelly. You cut him. Yeah. So what? I I, yeah. I moved down from a sixth to a seventh. So yeah. what? So yeah. what? Why and Mac not? Jones. I would Mac do Jones. that on just about any former first round pick, let alone yeah. uh, a quarterback. Yeah. Insert name here. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And the thing is, too, I'm not saying that Mac Jones would be starting for Denver next season. I'm talking about him not playing at all, honest to God, getting a year of football rehab. And if he's even just, you know, a mediocre quarterback for a caretaker for a year or two, that's worth a flipping a sixth for a seventh. I mean, like it's, it's worth about you, you spend more than that on a backup quarterback. Yes. Yeah. I, I just I could I could not believe the 
reaction. I get, and I was not a Mac Jones guy coming out. You remember that, but Sean Wait, Payton reported necessarily the best place for rational conversation. That's that's true, but I uh, I was uh, pretty pretty curious about that. I'm not a Mac Jones guy at all, but Sean liked him coming out. And if it's that cheap, then you don't really have much to lose. It's like, did did trading for Jonas Griffith kill your team? No. Okay. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of the uh, the cost. Uh, Robert Rupert coming Ruprecht. in here. Rupert coming in here. That's a good German name, I'm sure. Says, Hey Nick and Scott, I've never been able to see you guys live, but love your content religiously. Well. Thank you, Robert. I'm just thrilled to still be watching relevant football and looking forward to our new era of for our Broncos. Absolutely competent, relevant football. Of course, Scott and I are still going to come on here and point at things that, hey, this could be better. Uh, but for sure, the Broncos have a direction. They have an identity and they are on the upward swing. We'll see what happens, what the upward swing looks like, depending on when Russell Wilson gets paid, whether that be dead cap or um, on the roster getting paid. Uh, but definitely they have an adult in the room and it seems like they have directionality with from ownership to coaching staff and maybe front office as well, which is something we haven't seen in Denver. God, I mean, maybe ever because the ownership stuff, I mean, not ever, but since uh, Bolin was in charge uh, in Denver when he was RIP uh, Pat Bolin. But yeah, it's, we're in a good direction right now. Yeah, I have a friend, uh, Peter Ruprecht. So I, I recognize okay. the name. So welcome in. Appreciate you being able to join us live. And Did we uh, hit this one? I'm pretty sure we got that. Honestly, think we should draft. Yeah. If we didn't, Mr. Rocket, I may have skipped over you. Apologies, because I'm going to hit you again on this one yeah. uh, when, when I see you, because I saw another another comment I liked here that is just above. Ernie, good to see you. Broncos country only. Uh, Kyle is really testing my statement on I would swap a seventh or sixth for any former first rounder when he throws out Zach Wilson. Yeah. Oh. Yep, that's uh... a... <sighs> Maybe <laughs> I'd still probably go ahead and do a pick swap for a seventh and a six. It doesn't cost anything, especially when it's usually a future pick. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a 2025 six and a seventh for Zach Wilson to come on. The problem is he was drafted so high. He's actually kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. So if you want to eat some of that contract, I wouldn't want to pay his contract, but if it was just the, the pick swap, yeah, I'd still even probably do that for Zach Wilson, who I don't think has much of a future in the NFL. And the thing for me is that I never, the only reason I bring up Mac Jones is because we have reports that the saints with Sean Payton were very interested in Mac Jones mm -hmm. and wanted to trade up for him. And it did not happen. And Zach, uh, Mac Jones's rookie season was actually pretty competent. I think he was like 13th in the NFL in EPA per play uh, that was, season. He was fine. He was, he was average. It was just the, I got really, really hot about the rookie of the year talk for him. Well, yeah, that was wild. He's doing pretty good for a rookie. Yeah, well, Justin yeah. Jefferson's doing pretty good for an NFL receiver. Period. Yeah, I think it was Justin Jamar Jefferson, Chase. I think I think I think people finally came to their senses. Yeah, that was the Jamar Chase class. Oh, Justin Jamar Chase. Okay, either way, I knew it was it was one of those two guys. I'm just getting my years yeah. mixed up. You know, Jamar Chase has like 1,500 yards receiving, and and Mac Jones is playing on an average level. Wanted to hit Mr. Rocket here. Um, to make up, he says, this might be stupid due to the hole the Broncos just got out of, but I'd be willing to give up our draft picks to move up to number two or one to get our quarterback of the future. We've got the coach and I would too, but the amount of draft picks it's going to cost you. I don't know if you could put a package together that would be good enough to outbid someone else mm -hmm. because you're going to be in contention with guys that are going to be able to offer a top 10 pick and probably be pretty bad next year. So like multiple top 10 picks, you're not going to be able to come in with a, a 20, you know, a number 
17 overall, um, a 2025 number one and a 2026 number one. And that's still not going to be enough. Yeah. To move into I, that spot, it's going to cost you three firsts and probably a pair of day twos. I Scott, I think last year we kind of saw the pathway here. It's not just picks. It's young players, ascending young players. Like DJ? I think, I think that any team, they're going to hang up the phone on you unless Patrick Sertan is in the package. And I'm not paying that for moving up that high when you're having to also give up a multitude of first-round picks. I mean, I'd rather you know maybe trade up to nine and take a shot on Jaden Daniels, uh, even though I think Caleb Williams and Drake May are much better uh, prospects than Jaden Daniels still. Uh, but that's a, it would be unbelievably costly uh, to do that. And I think that last year, like we saw the Panthers trade up using DJ Moore as a chip. You'd think of Sertan, he'd be equivalent to two first round picks in any deal. And I think any team would demand that if you're going to make that deal. And I'm probably not making that deal uh, for the uncertainty, uh, given how valuable Sertan is still. If we were sitting there and I don't know, it's it's a tough situation, but there's no guarantee. I like having Sertan on the roster versus the unknown uh, there and creating a massive hole. So. Yeah, that's that's probably if you're talking about trading up to one or two, how much do you like Sertan? Are you willing to give up Sertan for that? I'm not uh, it's, it's right two now. First and Sertan. Yes, because I'm yes. talking like five high picks is what it's going to yep. take to move up into that spot. And I, I unless not the Broncos for a, lose not out, for an unknown. Yeah, you know, if, if you wanted to throw, I mean, for that kind of cost, you better be sending me Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, I, I need an, I need an, I, I need an absolute. I don't need a draft pick. I don't need an yeah. unknown who might get there and get homesick. You know, I, I need an absolute. I need a proven commodity for what it's going to cost to get into that spot. Uh, and Kyle talking about, you know, uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets offensive line. Um, he says, to be fair, the Jets all offensive line is absolutely horrendous. We, we started the show talking about Russell Wilson and his lack of patience in the pocket. Now, I'm not even going to say inability to read a defense. I don't I don't know that. But what I do know is he's not comfortable in the pocket and he bails after one, maybe two reads, and he's out. Zach Wilson, when I watch him play, the more time he has, the worse he is. That is an awful, awful trait to have as a quarterback. And that's where I'm out. And I was out early on, on Zach Wilson. I'm like, you know, usually it's it's okay put pressure on a young quarterback and he'll put the ball in harm's way. That's kind of the age old way to defend young quarterbacks. Mm -mm. You put pressure on him and he's got athleticism and he's got a great arm. Probably should have been a friggin' pitcher. Um, he becomes dangerous when he can't read and he just has to go and react. Zach Wilson is, I, I don't think he's long for this game, Nick. Yeah, what a weird situation out there in New York. Uh, and I did want to come back to Mark Schler's comments here. Um, just quoting, he talked about uh, how many times do you escape from the back of the pocket, out the back of the pocket, how many times do you run yourself into trouble, how many times do you allow yourself to be forced out of a play, you scramble, you make a few yards, and everyone lauds you on your ability to get out of there. You're the one who put yourself in that trouble in the first place. Then he goes on and compares them, saying, it's Tim Tebow-esque when you talk about 55 minutes of dreck, and we are going to praise you for five minutes of good play at the end of the game. You're the one who started the inferno. If you started the fire and you finally douse out the ashes of water, you're not the hero for putting the fire out. When it's burned through all the fuel and it lo no longer can burn anything and it's just ash, you don't get credit for putting it out for when you were throwing buckets of water on ash. 
So yeah, does definitely does not uh, mince words. He does put blame on the offensive line saying he's not saying McGlinchey isn't getting shoved in the backfield. And there is some miscommunications and twists and stunts. They have pressure, but the amount of times you force yourself into harm's way is sickening. And as a former offensive lineman, it bleeps me off because it's just not right because those guys take a brunt of the criticism when in reality it's the quarterback and uh, it's, I think Russell Wilson gets his more than his fair share of criticism, Mark. Uh, I think Russell Wilson has taken his share of bullets and strays while he's been a Denver Bronco. Without a doubt. But the, I think the overall point, it's not that he's not getting blamed, but the point of the sacks and a lot of the number in terms of pass rush, I think a lot of it's on the shoulders of Russell Wilson and a big, a big stat. And so I think Seth Waldron, who does, the he's the head of ESPN uh, football analytics. I know we can talk all day about that, but I do think he has a good point. I with rarely his... agree with his takes. <laughs> yeah, I, I like a lot of what he does. He but, up uh, with numbers, and then I disagree with his interpretation of those numbers. Yes, uh, but one I do like from him is that he says uh, sacks are a quarterback stat, and everybody we can argue about that all day. Every single stat in football is a system stat to an extent. You look at Randy Moss playing for the Raiders versus the Patriots, and the the stats there. What's the difference there? Randy Moss didn't change the system changed. So every single stat to an extent in football is a system stat because nothing happens in a vacuum like you see in uh, baseball. Uh, but the point I wanted to get to with uh, sacks being a quarterback stat is I think pressures are very much an offensive line stat where sacks are more of a quarterback stat. And you look at somebody like a Patrick Mahomes or a just uh, Josh Allen, excuse me. They have just as many pressures, if not more, I think, Allen has slightly less pressures than Wilson this year. And Mahomes has had more pressures this season. And their sack rate is like a third, a fourth of what Wilson's is this season. So a quarterback's how many, ability how many times has, cause I'm going to back you up on this. How many times has Russell Wilson been sacked this year? I want to say 36. Okay. I got to do some math here. Who do you think is the best immobile well, that's become because you can throw Tom Brady in there. Other than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, who's the next best immobile quarterback of all time? Immobile? Yeah, guy who isn't known like for having pocket, any legs at all. Pocket-oriented? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd have to say Drew Brees is up there as well. It's Dan as Marino. Okay, that's before my time, so I can't. I mean, <laughs> Marino's probably the best quarterback. And Drew, and Drew Brees could move. Drew Brees well, could move. player, yeah. <laughs> Dan, it's it's Dan Marino because and they always said Dan Marino was the heart. Just to back up that it is a quarterback stat, Dan Marino was almost impossible to sack because he could get rid of the ball so damn fast. Mm -hmm. His release is one of the best ever in the history of this game. Roethlisberger is a good one too, uh, but I would take Dan Marino over Roethlisberger. All right, it's a quarterback stat. Is a sacks is a quarterback stat. And I'm going to look at four seasons here. That's 1,000. Let's see. 1,000. Uh, and he was hurt there, so that one doesn't count. And 1,000 snaps, pass attempts in 1987 and 1988. Dan Marino was sacked 15 times in 1,000 dropback passes. Not even dropback passes. That's when he actually threw the ball. Mm -hmm. 15 times. I believe it's a quarterback stat. I, I do. Now, what you're able to do, passing efficiency is everything, but can you get rid of the ball? Can you make a hot read? All of those type things. Um, I, I I will absolutely back you on that. And every, again, every single stat in football is a system stat to an extent, uh, but the 
again, the perception now I will tweet something about, or I'll see after the game and the Broncos lose and there'll be 15 comments. Well, the Broncos won't do anything until they fix the offensive line. The sacks are coming a lot because of Russell Wilson style. And that's not always bad because if you're getting explosive plays, Joe Burrow took a lot of sacks in smart situations or situations where you could afford them. Uh, And that resulted in lower sack EPA versus uh, uh, issues. And that's another problem with Russell Wilson's sacks this season is that they're happening in inopportune times. That's the only time he's allowed to pass. That's very that to an extent Uh, the Broncos actually have been trying to really hard to help him on first and second. A lot of times he's only passing when it's kind of obvious passing situations. Yeah. That's what you get for a low volume passing offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the, the Broncos have lost the third most EPA due to sacks this season, only being outdone by Zach Wilson and whatever the hell is going on with the New York Giants. Um, and uh, I guess you can say that about the Jets too. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough situation. It always just kind of drives me nuts, Scott, seeing the post game analysis where oh we can't do anything until we fix the offensive line. You're, a lot you're of metrics the line set for the next few years, y'all. Is besides probably center just due to yeah. contract and, and, stuff. But and you might bring Cushionberry back, and if yeah. you do. You know, and they were talking last night about, you know, maybe trading uh, Garrett Bowles. Mm, I think Garrett Bowles has played his way into an extension slash restructure in order to lower his, his salary cap. I think you're you don't want to create another another hole where Bowles is playing at a, at a, at a good enough level right now. But you want to knock that that salary cap charge down some. He's played his way to an extension that's mm-hmm. going to change the cap hit and keep him here for the next three, four seasons, in my opinion. That's I think that's the move there. Uh, but just talking about the offensive line as well, Scott, uh, Ben Baldwin, who does a lot of analytical work uh, covering football and writes for The Athletic, he does a really interesting thing considering the uh, offensive line. A lot of the metrics for it are tough because, again, the system and everything, it's hard to evaluate offensive lines. So what he's done is he has takes three of the most trusted analytic uh, grades for offensive line in the NFL and he gets a an average grade for all of them and then ranks the offensive line. So he takes Sports Info Solution, who if anybody wants to buy that for Mile High Huddle and for me, God bless you, I think it's like a $700 a year uh, subscription for the data. Um, teams use it. Uh, you got PFF grades, and then you got the ESPN grades. The Broncos' offensive line this season, Scott, they are ranked 12th in pass protection grade average across the board when you take all three of those. And I think they're, I think they're eighth in uh, run blocking grade as well, which puts them as the seventh best overall offensive line in football this season, uh, according to the average grades. I don't know if they are actually the seventh line. That's if you want to argue that they are the 12th instead of the seventh, that's fine. The point is they are an above average offensive line and we're still having these issues. Top four in the NFL in sacks, a lot of issues in pressure dropbacks, despite the fourth highest time to throw, despite the tied for the highest time to pressure in the NFL. Uh, so it's, Again, Marshall Earth's point, he's definitely fire and brimstone, hyperbolic to the max talking about this. But the point about the synergy and the relationship between Russell Wilson and the offensive line is so emphatically true. And what makes me so mad about it, Scott, is that against the Cleveland Browns, the best defense in the football, uh, I actually thought we saw synergy and understanding between the drop back pass game, Russell Wilson, the offensive line. That went out the window against Houston. But you, you made the point early on. You got an early lead in that one. Yeah. You know, it changed the game plan. I'm telling you, I'll say it a zillion times. I won't say it again after this. You know, you hit that play to Cortland Sutton after the quick three and out, you're playing with the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not 16 to three at halftime. If a couple of these things. So I don't, I just don't feel like, you know, he's talking about the, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, you put us in harm's way for 55 minutes and then you come back and, and 
And this is a guy who didn't throw an interception for, you know, five straight games or something. He's only got seven all year. It's not like he's out there putting the defense in bad situations. So again, the hyperbole is way, way over the top for Russell Wilson hamstringing this team. But again, I agree with you. He's right. He's putting his de- he's putting much more pressure on his defense than an average than the average quarterback. I mean, on on his offensive line than the average quarterback. Okay, you, you knew that when you got him. He's always been that way, and he's still having a decent season. And he hasn't been putting the ball in harm's way for most of this year. Just had a bad game, man. And and mm-hmm. some of those things could have gone either way. I like the direction of this offense. I like them against the LA Chargers. You just lost to the Houston Texans. It happens. Yep. And as Jeremy says here, football isn't a staircase. It's a roller coaster with peaks and valleys. Uh, The other point I want to say, Scott, and I see people on Twitter or Facebook as well saying like, oh, we weren't talking about this during the win streak. We were. (laughs) We were talking about the concern still. I mean, it's easier glossed over and you don't, you know, pick at it when you are winning. Especially when we know the decision that's coming because of the contract. We've absolutely hit on this because there's a big decision coming because of the contract. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking about through the entire win, uh, win streak, you know, th- is it sustainable to win by three plus in the turnover margin margin every game? Is it sustainable to have the best average starting field position in football by like three or four yards over that win streak? Uh, is it sustainable to win the style of football that the offensive game plan mirrored? Every single one, uh, almost in every single one of those games, I guess there's little tweaks here and there, like we were talking about with the Vikings games earlier, but in the end, it was about ball control protection and avoiding negative plays. Even if you are going around uh, positive plays uh, or limiting your chances at the explosives. So when you fall behind and we've said it on here, you have to be able to win games in different ways to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Uh, you have to be able to be a chameleon, you know, game plan week to week. Every game is different. The game flow, the game situation is going to be different. Can you win in different ways? I don't think the Broncos can do that offensively right now. I think there's a very limited pathway and what, what leads to successful offense for the Broncos, which is frustrating. I think it's really frustrating. Sean Payton <laughs> watching him. I think he is not happy with everything right now, but we'll see. We got five more games. And again, it feels like we're piling on Russell Wilson. I think he's somewhere between the 10th to the 18th best quarterback in the NFL this season. And we've seen about 50 guys get hundred snaps this year with all the injuries. That's not bad. That's not a bad quarterback. I'm not no, saying he is just, bad. You could win yeah, with him. The bias, Nick, is you, the the trade's never going to pay for itself, and the contract no. extension is bad. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not worth what he's getting paid. Okay, well, can't fix that. No. Um, you know, the, the question that you have to ask is, what do you do instead? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be some big questions. And Michael Ranquillo comes in with some stars. Uh, the, uh, the Bears will have the first pick from the Panthers. Will the Bears draft Caleb Williams or Drake May? And trade Justin Fields. Thoughts, Nick and Scott? I think so. Uh, we'll, I, ask me again in five weeks. Um, but I think that might be their best move. A clean slate. I think they can get a first-round pick for Justin Fields. Um, and then they're picking again. You know, they can, they can, uh, they'll have another decent pick. Right now trending for another top 10. And pick up another pick out of this. And if they come out of that number one spot, they could come out of this draft with five first round draft picks. Yeah, it's we'll see what the bears do. We again, same thing with Russell Wilson here. We still have five games left. All right. So there's no reason to make the full decision. Trust the broader sample size. It's why during that five game win streak, it's like, Oh, 
we'll see how the rest of it plays out. Why would you make a decision before you have all the data and comb over that data multiple times and watch the film and marry it to the data? I mean, it's it's complex, and I do not envy whoever has to make the decision at the end of the day. Like I said earlier, personally, I would probably keep Wilson, even though I know you are do have some limitations on your offense with that, but it's just because the contract, the hits aren't crazy, and the two years gives you a little bit of a window of competency at the quarterback position, you know, because we've seen you can win with him. I don't think you're winning because of him, which is the difference between a great quarterback and a fine starting quarterback. You can win with Wilson, and it gives you two years to at least be a competent football team while searching for a successor and also not forcing potential successor in there. Uh, So I think that would probably be my plan right now. Uh, But again, five more games. We'll see what happens. Sherry coming in here saying, Sherry, I'm sorry. I missed this one earlier. Um, I thought we had gotten this apologies for, uh, for making you wait coming in with some stars. So thank you. That was my fault. She says Denver Broncos for life from KC. I know it's painful being in KC Broncos need to come out in quarter one with a sense of urgency, like quarter four. Play, Nick's talked about it a lot, and I agree with him. Playing with a lead is the kind of game planning that the Denver Broncos want to have as a power-rushing, play-action-type team. And they came out with some urgency. It just didn't go their way. Again, mm-hmm. they came out and took a shot deep. That's urgency. They didn't just come out and run, run, pass, punt. What was the first play? It was a pass to. The second play was a pass. I, I, I think I don't remember the first play for sure, but I thought it was a pass downfield. Second play was a long pass downfield that should have hit. Yeah. Then you're then you're playing with a lead. Then you you're you're not questioning why the Broncos come out so slow. They they didn't. Yep. They just missed. And Houston's good. You know it, it happens. That's why we play the games. Uh, yep. I'm not ready to punt on the Denver Broncos because I'm a fan of the Houston Texans. I like what they're doing, and that was a hell of a, a hell of a football game. Um. So come out and make a couple of those plays that you just missed on against the chargers. And I think you can bury the chargers. You do what you don't want. And I agree with this. What she's saying is come out fast is you don't want the chargers. You don't want the chargers to get up and play with a lead and play with some belief. You want them tanking. You want them thinking, all right, we're behind the hell with it. This coach is gone. I'm thinking about next year. Yeah. And I think this is a team that they are finesse as it gets and they know that their season is pretty much done and the dead man walking with uh, Brandon Staley at head coach. I think this is a team that if you punch them in the mouth and take it to them early, I don't think they get back up. I don't know if they have a lot of fight. And I, there are guys on there obviously with pride and they're playing for future contracts and whatnot, but I think Broncos are going to come in inspired uh, after losing this game. That I th- it seems like there's a lot of upset people in that Broncos locker room because they felt like they let it get away and they didn't play their best football. Uh, so I think they're probably going to come out and physically try to take it to the chargers. We'll see. And talking about playing with the lead Scott and everything we said about the formula, about winning with Russell Wilson, it's not just Russell Wilson too. It is that style of football protecting your right tackle, Michael Glinchy, who is a good run blocker, but a poor pass blocker. It just is. It's not, again, it's not all on Russell Wilson. Uh, but do you know who leads this NFL in sacks right now, Scott? It, for a while, it was uh, it was Daniil Hunter. I haven't checked in a, in, a, in, a, in a bit, though. Khalil Mack has 15 sacks on the season. He's had, I think, okay. three games in a row with two sacks. Uh, so he's coming into this one red hot. You want to talk about getting a lead early, doing your job on first and second down to have those third and shorts to our earlier point. I want to run at him. Running it at him. <laughs> also, double teaming. Uh, Samaje P. Ryan out there as well to help chip, chip and release. You know, if that Russell, if your offense is... Russell Wilson check down Russell Wilson run or excuse me deep pass check down Russell Wilson run uh then 
make sure that check down is somebody who can at least chip uh, Khalil Mack on the way out of the backfield. So it's going to be a tough one. I think winning on first and second down is going to be imperative also. So that way you are not in third and longs and obvious pass situations because that's when you're in trouble. Uh, so hopefully we can do that here. But uh, yeah, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa is out for the year. This is not a good defense up front. You can forklift them uh, on in the ground game. But Khalil Mack is playing really good football. So watch out for that. That is a, a game breaker still at this. Michael, Michael Rankio is lighting up the slot machine with the stars today. So thank you, sir. Coming in multiple times. And Lawrence came in multiple times. I feel like we missed this one. Would you rather get a rookie quarterback and go one in 17 or, you know, one in 16 or Russ and getting him a weapon and going into the playoffs? I, I think this team, if you asked me that after the Jets, I was ready to nuke the whole thing and say, yes, let's, you know, let's move on from all these contracts. And uh, you're, you're in the, the neighborhood for a, a one or two pick. Let's make sure you get that one or two pick and reset everything and get your quarterback. I've seen enough from this team to know that you can compete with a piece here and a piece there with the teams in the a in the AFC, including the chiefs, including the bills who have been struggling. The Texans are a playoff team that I think you're close enough that you're, you absolutely want to push forward with who you have now restructure some guys, re extend some guys instead of flat out dumping salary and hitting the nuke button. This team's shown me enough. I'm ready to, to run it back again in 2024. Yeah, we'll see what the tweaks as far as a uh, one in 17 or get a weapon and go to the playoffs. I'd rather go to the playoffs with a weapon because if you're going one in 17 with a rookie quarterback, given the other pieces around right now, it's probably a pretty bad quarterback. And that probably means you missed, uh, but it's hard to say without the film and knowing the situation around them. But uh, would I'd rather go one in 17 and then get a quarter. That same quarterback eventually takes us to the Super Bowl. I mean, if that's the option as well, one season, I'd have one bad season uh, if I could guarantee Super Bowl later, but uh We'll see. Rattlesnake Master, I'm not going to call you crazy for this. 499 says, call me crazy, but I agree on Mac Jones being worth a shot. It's not, He's one of like 20 quarterbacks in this category for me that are worth that shot. The only reason I make him this, even brought this up, and I I don't know why, but it was so controversial. You, you would have to pay so little for him that if he didn't make the roster, it wouldn't hurt. So we're talking about a day three pick swap. And Sean said he was interested in him. I know Kyle Shanahan apparently was interested in him in that draft over Trey Lance as well. I was a big Mac Jones detractor coming out of the draft because as a first round pick, because I thought he was so limited in terms of arm talent and physicality for a lottery pick at the quarterback position. But a day three pick swap, considering he looked competent in his rookie season, considering I think Sean just needs somebody to get the right line checks and make the right read and throw catchable footballs. I mean, we're not asking him to reinvent the wheel here. Just get the ball to the open guy. Uh, so. I think that if it's that cheap, I don't see any risk for that at all. When I saw him at the senior bowl, I thought this is a good trade down candidate to get at the back end of the first round. And then I heard, you know, three overall, I'm like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes on this. That's not yeah. what I meant. No. Um, and it, it, he ended up going about where he probably should have. I think he was in the teens. He went 15. I thought he was a day two, but yeah, I, I again, yeah. I thought the, give day him the quarterback grade. bump and in the mid twenties would be fair. Without a doubt. So, and it, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be willing. What was your evaluation of him at the time? Would that be worth, a, you know, again, pick swap? Yeah. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Why the hell not? And I think it would be a situation where you sit him for a year. He doesn't even, he need, he's broken, Scott. And he might be too broken to even take a shot. I'd ask my quarter, my coach to look at the film. I'd ask Davis Webb to look at the film and be like, is this guy fixable? No, he's too broken. All right, we'll move on. God bless. We're not going <laughs> to offer a pick swap. Um, no harm foul. No harm, no foul. But uh, 
I think that's where you're at right now, considering the Russell Wilson contract conversation and where you're hunting. I saw people say they'd rather have Jarrett Stidham. Okay, fine. I mean, again, we're just talking about like the Gardner Minshew-esque quarterback. You're looking for probably somebody to be just a caretaker to get you through some of the dead cap hit while you still look for the long-term answer. Here are the free uh, agent but- quarterbacks next year, y'all. Until you know the guys that are not under that are not under contract, unrestricted free agents: Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyler Huntley, Josh Dobbs, and then guys you know Nate Sutterfield, Brandon Allen, Mason Rudolph. Those are the guys that are free agents. So if I could get a former first round pick by moving down from. 200 to 225 yeah <laughs> for a 2025 in 2025 yeah why not if it doesn't work out i cut him yeah as, as red bow you once said in in uh the water boy cut his ass <laughs> that's yep. fine what's i love low low risk moves with decent yep. rewards sure why not yep just talking about a penny stock Probably spent too much time on the Mac Jones stuff because it's just all hypotheticals, but I just couldn't believe the pushback. Uh, in the end, I think Mark Schlereth was definitely hyperbolic on this uh, conversation. It's kind of his thing. Uh, the Jerry Judy stuff, you know, really angry about Jerry Judy. Then it was Garrett Bowles. Maybe Russell Wilson will be the guy he's uh, piling on now. I think Russell Wilson's been fine to good this season overall. I think Sean Payton has done an excellent job crafting together an offense that works for Russell Wilson. But we need more from the offense. I mean, over that win streak, you had one game of 200 yards. They were not asking him to do very much. They weren't asking him to win the game. They were more so asking him to not lose the game until the last five minutes and then go win the game. Um, so it, I guess that is Tim Tebow-esque in that sense. But again, 10 to 18th best quarterback in the NFL this year out of about 50. That puts him in the good, solid category. You can win with that. We've seen that. Want more. And specifically, I want people to stop piling on the offensive line and understand the relationship and the, the burden placed on the offensive line from Russell Wilson. It is beyond pass protection. It's also the run game stuff. So it's a, it's a tough situation and just want to give the offensive line some flowers because I don't think the general fan understands or appreciates the job they've done. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, again, it was then they, Offensive, yes, he, Russell Wilson makes the job harder on the on the offensive line. No, he's not a high Garvin. school quarterback that you're winning completely yeah. in spite of. That's that's an exaggeration, and that's okay. That's why he's you know an entertainer in in the entertainment business. Yep, absolutely. Well, guys, uh, hour and eight minutes. Hopefully, if there's any questions you have or the data, make sure uh, you uh, check out the article that I posted because I you know transcribed what Flair said and I went into a lot of the metrics and whatnot from the uh, the run game the time to throw and offensive line data as well it's a it's an interesting conversation uh, around Russell Wilson hopefully hopefully uh, we see it corrected this week the Broncos don't play any good defenses down the stretch other than the Patriots and really the Patriots run defense is amazing so uh, that'll be an interesting one game plan wise I think it's probably one of that'll probably be one of the ugliest football games we watch for Broncos country uh, this season um, but, uh, yeah, it will be, uh, interesting to watch what happens down this fi- final stretch and hopefully the Broncos can get a little bit better. And I'll tell you this, Russell Wilson's taking it on the chin right now with the analysis and the uh, post game stuff. A lot of the NFL people, rather than just the Denver media people are piling on. And, uh, I think he does hear this to an extent. And I also think he hears the criticism from Sean Payton 
he's definitely going to want to come in there and improve. And I think you'll see a much better Wilson uh, than we saw versus Houston average wise over these final five games. I really do. Worst game this year. I mean, the chiefs on the road. Chiefs on the road. I I don't remember the numbers, but the three interceptions, you know, have to be, they're up there close to be in his worst game. So yeah, I would expect him to bounce back and have a much better game than he had 12 games in. And this was his 11th worst Mm -hmm. or worst. Yeah. I expect him to be better. Yeah, that Chiefs road game was <laughs> terrible. Uh, Michael Ronquillo, but the Chiefs defense is great. So that's a tough, tough one. Michael Ronquillo says, congrats to Garrett Bowles as the Broncos Walter Payton Man of the Year nom- nominee. Justin Simmons, Russell Wilson said some good things about his nomination. Yeah, congrats. It's really cool when those guys win it. And, you know, they wear the uh, the the patch on their jersey. Um, congrats to Garrett Bowles. Uh, seems like a great guy. Seems like a funny guy as well. And really happy that he has uh, turned it around and playing good football. I mean, that first, who'd have thought, Scott? Look at us now. You know, to quote uh, Paul Rudd in that to Hot Ones, uh, who'd have thought that first Arizona Cardinals preseason game, he looked like he couldn't, you know, bend over and tie his shoe without falling over. I mean, he was dreadful against the Cardinals, and he's been probably your most valuable offensive lineman. Not your best, but your most valuable at left tackle. And I think he's played himself into a, uh, a new contract in Denver. I really do. Uh- F refs says Russ is a $50 million a year quarterback. Well, no, he's not. Um, you might think he's playing like one. I don't think that's your intention. Uh, but last year, his cap hit was 17 million. This year, his cap hit is 22 million. So the two years combined that he's been playing for the Denver Broncos thus far have not even been 50 million. Yeah. Yeah, it is a... Uh... It's going to be interesting to see what happens. we got five games, luckily, and we will see what uh, Broncos, George Payton, and Sean Payton wants to do with the position. I think it'll be better than it was in this Houston game, and I'm looking forward to hopefully having a little bit better synergy and cohesion between the quarterback's play and structure in the offensive line that we saw versus the Browns. I got a taste of it. Now I need more, Scott, because I know it's possible that they can do it. Appreciate everyone in here. Make sure you're following us. Um, the contract does go up a bit. Yep. It's just next year. It goes to 35 and 2025. It's 55. Let's see if he becomes a $50 million a year quarterback, because right now he is not, and there's no guarantee that he will get all of that money. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I see Michael Ronquillo. Thank you so much for all the stars today, Michael. God bless you. We appreciate you. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH Scott. I copied your format here after many episodes uh, where how our names are displayed. Cause I was bothering me that they weren't, we weren't matched. So uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. So now we're good. Um, we're, we're, we're in line we're cohesive. Like hopefully the Broncos offensive line and Wilson will be also make sure you're following us at Maha huddle and at BFB underscore pod, underscore pod. Uh, appreciate everyone joining us on there on Twitter. Follow us at facebook.com forward slash mile huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile huddle pod. And as this ticker says here underneath, please subscribe to mile high huddle over on YouTube, like the show on your social media platforms and share it. Uh, also, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. I don't know. What are the kids doing these days? Uh, that'd be great. Uh, we'd appreciate that. Again, if you have any questions, hit us up. Um, always love to talk football. Scott, we didn't even say a prediction. It's Thursday, right? Prediction. Broncos Chargers. What do you got? Score. 27-17. Oh, we said it. I think we did say it Tuesday, maybe. But I think I said that about the Falcons game, too. I think, so okay, I feel, yeah, you're right. It was yesterday. I feel like they're, they're pretty close on that, which I feel like the it should be over the 42. But 27-17 puts them at 44. That's a little tight. I just... I like the way the Broncos match up with this team. They're very similar. We we did the same thing with Falcons and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
The difference mm-hmm. is Justin Herbert's a lot better than Baker Mayfield, but the the Chargers they're they're soft up the middle. They're soft in the gut, like Chong mm-hmm. Lee. Uh, blood sport reference. Um, th- th- this matches up really well for the Broncos to just be able to pound middle, 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 middle play action and then hit a couple of those shots. And I think you're in good shape. Yeah, the Chargers have been really poor in the run game this season, especially as of late. And that's including these shutout performance against the Patriots. So they're still really bad defensive metrics wise, which is wild because they got a zero on there. And uh, they've been really bad at giving up explosive runs. I think they're fifth in the NFL in explosive run rate. Um, so that, oh, what is going on here? We're we'll just skip that one. Okay, yeah, get out of here. Comfort, dog, dogara. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, the uh, I think the Broncos end up winning this one. I think it's going to be a rather ugly game. Uh, but I think the Broncos are comfortable winning in ugly fashion. So I'm going to go with Denver winning this one 20 to 16. And that would be hitting the under. So. So we'll yeah, falling sloth is this is still going. I thought I'd be clicking on the recap. Yeah, we we went a little long today, but it's Thursday. Bye. We've Bye. enjoyed it. The chat's been awesome. Loved having y'all in here. And uh mm-hmm. want to shout out our uh, our super chat superstars, Mark Schrader, Mr. Rocket, Andre, that one guy, Troy, Lawrence. Um, we had uh Keith, Gary, Michael several times. Uh Sherry, I feel like that's a first timer, so thank you very much. And then Rattlesnake Master coming in. Thanks to all y'all. Hope you have a great football weekend. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your week. We Scott and I will see you again tomorrow morning on Scott show. Uh, we might be doing a first round mock or a top 10 mock. I don't know. or talking about something. We haven't done one yet, Scott. It might AFC be time. Playoff race. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff. So thank everyone. Thank you guys so much. Uh, make sure you continue to choose compassion and kindness. And as always go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Morning, Broncos country. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.